Got a favorite Kate Bush song that you want to leave a couple of thoughts on? Well, you can call our hotline at 1-757-349-6369. That's 1-757-349-6369. And your thoughts could be played on a future episode. Hope to hear from you. Strange Phenomena now has a Patreon page. If you would like to support the show, then you can visit patreon.com slash Podcast to see what wonderful rewards we're offering for your support of the show. Thank you. And now, on with the show. Kate Bush in the Sensual World. Uh, title track from the new album. Let me just say hello. Hello, Kate. Hello, Roger. It's right. lovely to see you again. And you too. You've obviously got the difference here between sensual and sexual, which I think probably most of us confuse these two words. So what is the difference as you see it? Well, I think the sensual world is um, talking specifically about the context of that within the song. And uh, the song is about someone from a book who steps out from this very black and white 2D world into the real world. And... The idea was the immediate impression was the sensuality of this world, the fact that you can touch things, that it is so sensual, that, you know, the, the colours of trees, the, the feel of the grass on the feet, you know, the touch of this in the hand, the fact that it is such a sensual world. And um, I think, for me, that's an incredibly important thing about this planet, that we are surrounded by such sensuality and yet we tend not to see it like that. Welcome to Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. I am Cecily Link and this week we're going to be talking about the first actual song from the Central World album. We're now into season six of the show, and we're going to be talking about the title track and also the album's first single. None other than, hmm, gee, it's a title track of the Central World. It's called The Central World. because she has actually read the book that the song is partially based, like quasi, sort of inspired by, I suppose. Anyway, we'll talk about that later with none other than... Hi, I'm Zoe. I'm back hey! from you. Ulysses tormented me for three curse months of my life, so I'm just paying it back. <laughs> um, so, yes, and I'm... I, this is, like, problem. I don't... I have my top five Kate songs ring. Top ten always changes, but I know this is the top ten. I just I've always been passionate about the song. It's always been way up there. It's gonna be hard for me to not just talk about the video because the video is just the most oh. perfect, like three and a half minutes committed to film. Yes. But we will talk about the video. We will talk about how this isn't adapted from the final chapter of Penelope of Ulysses, but elevates final mm-hmm. chapter of Penelope of Ulysses and etc. And why and, and 
if you don't actually have a lot of talk. Oh, I should give a warning. Yes. Since I'll be quoting some quotes from Ulysses, I should have a warning for some very strong language. If you mm-hmm. have a, if you don't like very lewd, crude talk, you might, this might not be the episode for you because uh, Ulysses, just the stuff, the parts that I'm quoting are just very, um, very crude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason this book was banned heavily. And I know, and I have never, not personally read the book, and you have, and I was reading through some of the passages that you, you quote, and I'm like, well, my goodness. Classic, classic literature. And you, you haven't even read his letters, personal letters to his wife. Lots of scat, scat, scat theology, whatever that word Scatological is. Scatological you know. things. Yeah, yeah. Scat. Poop, poop, yeah. Lots of poo-poo caca, anyway. That's some of my job. There you go. So yeah, we're going to be talking a lot about this song, The Central World. I mean, goodness, uh, let's see. I mean, where do we want to start with this song? I mean, do we want to start I mean, with I guess we usually the, do? the story behind the song. So, Title track, lead single for her follow-up to Hounds of Love. Yep. And it's interesting that also that I think this is a really great choice for an album title. Mm-hmm. It's such a great title. Like, oh, So it's interesting that of all, because she always, like, all of her albums are, um, besides Never Forever, are named after one of the songs on the track. And I always mm-hmm. like to think about, hmm, why this song? Or what's just like, this sounds good. But I feel like this um, title both perfectly kind of sums up the vibe of mm-hmm. the album and just sounds cool. It's just a perfect title. It and is. you have on the album cover her holding the flower, which is a sensual thing. So it really sets the tone. I mean, for me personally... Besides Rock, I love The Fog and Rocket's Tale a lot. I'm not a huge fan of this album. Um, so I love this and The Fog and The Rocket's Tale. And not The Rocket's Tale, you know. And so I now feel like the woman on Night Flight, you've been calling the dreaming, dreaming. But, um, <laughs> yeah, we still need to do a whole episode on that. But anyways, oh, I so, so I just, I think that, like, this song, it's, for me, like, a, such a high point. And then, like, mm-hmm. the rest of the album doesn't really live up to it and I wish kind of the album felt more like this song sounds and this title I wish more the album lived up to that title of the sensual world but it's still it's interesting that of all the ones it makes sense that this is the one that is named after and this is also the first time I think that she has named yeah it's also the first time she's and only yeah only time that it's named after the first track so it's not like oh she's doing it because the first track so there's clearly thought put into that mm-hmm yeah, because, I mean, for the previous album, for Hounds of Love, I mean, the first song, I mean, it was the lead single, but it wasn't the title, but she didn't start it with Hounds of Love. That would have been interesting. No, it wouldn't, have, wouldn't work if you started it with Hounds of Love, the actual track. No. <laughs> but yeah, you're oh, right. Where, where, I would, I, I'd like, I'd, I'd be into it, but whatever. Now I'm thinking about that. That would be a cool concept. But it's in the trees. Really cool. Oh, yeah, that would be. No, now I'm thinking of that. Uh, so the and the zombies. That's such a dramatic opening. It would be. But, you know, I see what you mean, like, because I feel like even a lot of Kate's songs are about sensuality. And I feel like it's, it's, I know, I feel like this summer we're probably going to, we're going to get into, I, I think, that there's a difference between sexuality and sensuality. And yeah. I feel like and that Which is a lot of the Ulysses sensual world difference. Mm-hmm. And so, like, a lot of Kate's work is about, like, your, your, your senses and just, just 
feeling and letting yourself feel things. Mm-hmm. Well, literally, her the first song of her entire career, Moving, says, as long as you mm-hmm. are, don't, aren't afraid to feel. I mean, like, I think The Sensual World could be, like, the title of, like, I mean, I know This Woman's Work was the name of that box set of all her work, but The Sensual World is, like, is, like the title of her whole career, essentially, yeah. to me. Her world, her work is about the senses. I, um, when we'll talk more about the kick inside for an upcoming project mm-hmm. that we will not reveal yet, <laughs> we'll discuss this. But like, kick inside is so much about the body and the senses, yeah. and that's really like what all of her work is. So I, this title is like it. May, it is like oh, of course, Kate Bush would have something called sensual world because her world is that is the world that she plunges us into mm-hmm. in her work always. And. And especially when when this song was released, it was released as the lead single on September 18th, 1989. So getting sort of into the fall season. And I have to, I I know when we'll we'll talk about this with the music video, that this song is really cool for me to drive through the countryside where I live now and like listen to this song. When the world looks like the music video. It's like the perfect time to listen to this song. And Yes. It's always a good time to listen to this song. I mean, though, it's always honestly. a good time to listen. I mean, it's always a good time to listen to Kate Bush. But especially like this but one, it just song. It, especially this song, it just it feels lush. I mean, I look out mm-hmm. as I'm driving through the through the country and I just I see I can see you know, around here I'm in uh, North Carolina and so I see like the beautiful little dots of white from the cotton plants and then I'm seeing over there there's a beautiful little house and then over there there's okay it's a little bit sad there's maybe a desolated house it's kind of looks like it's been eaten up by trees and then you go down the further down the road and and you see the the big combines coming through there's just so much like so much to see and there's lots of smells and just you're just like oh it's just oh. and then I'm hearing mm-hmm. hearing this song and this album as I'm driving through and it's just oh I just love it um mm-hmm. so yeah it was originally released as a single uh, of course by EMI Records and uh we'll uh see she was inspired to write the song after hearing Irish actress Siobhan McKenna read this closing soliloquy from the aforementioned Ulysses, where the character Molly Bloom recalls her earliest sexual experience with her husband-to-be, Leopold Bloom. And, of course, we a lot of people know the story that the book was published in 1922. Kate thought that the text was in public domain. She wanted to use the actual words, put it over the music, and then found out that, no, his heirs are like, no, that's not in the public domain. You need to pay up. And she was not very happy about that. And so she, they would not relent. She wrote her own words, which you know, we'll get into with the words I frankly think are <clears throat> better than the source, but that's just me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And in musically, um, she uses uh, one of the main hooks in the chorus was inspired by a traditional Macedonian piece of music called it Nevestinsko Oro, or the Bride's Dance. And it was a recording of this piece of music by a group called Kalgija and called Antike Tsanam Dusiche. Apparently Nevestinsko was the name for this song in the Middle Ages. And there are also no lyrics, but it's a traditional wedding dance. You can actually look on YouTube. You can see... Uh, Maybe women. you should include it in the show notes. 
Take a link to that video. Yes, I'm going to, and actually, yes, I'm going to include that in the show notes. That hey, if you want to, because that blew really me cool away. Oh yeah. yeah, and like I heard the music, and I'm like, oh my god, there it is, and I'm, and I heard it, and I started singing, stepping out of the thing. Right. Like, I started singing. With it just yeah, it's so I never knew that this was. <laughs> sampling in the traditional hip-hop example where it's mm-hmm. running throughout the song so you can see the hip-hop the influence she had on hip-hop um yeah and apparently your notes say it was, it was sent to her by a dutch journalist named jan Vibencha. um as dutch person i should know better um but i wonder <laughs> how that happened he's just like hey miss bush like so... to hear this they knew each other we need to find him and like get the story so yeah, I actually I do want to track him down and say like, hey, where where's it? Where where are you, young Libenga? Like, was he just a random um, fan? Like, what's actually, going on? he was a music journalist, and right. he was going to be possibly interviewing her, and he handed her a tape of traditional music because he knew that she enjoyed traditional music, and she heard the tape and she liked it, and so mm-hmm. in the song. The main theme of Navistinsko Oro is played on the Ilian pipes. Macedonian piece 
played on traditionally a traditional Irish instrument. It's just it just fucking blows my mind. It really does. Like when I found out that oh okay that's where that comes from because I didn't know either. I just like I thought it was just like a pretty little counter melody. I mean it is a yeah. counter little melody and it has a very Eastern flavor to it. There's just something about Eastern European music that I've heard whether it's like the the March Slave from um, from Tchaikovsky like a lot of their stuff is in these like minor keys and it's got like interesting like intervals and the way the notes interact with each other that you're just like wait a minute that doesn't sound like it should work together because it's using different scales and all this other technical musical stuff (laughs) and I can hear that Mm -hmm. like even the way that like she sings you know stepping out of the page like she's goes Mm -hmm. like kind of chromatic she's like it's it, it goes with oh it's just really really cool of the song um yeah the drums from charlie morgan uh bass from from her uh, her boyfriend uh Ilian pipes davy spillane you might as well get name name the four guys del palmer i'll probably edit that part has um, he not suffered enough okay <laughs> uh Ilian pipes from davy spillane uh bazooki from uh donald lunny He's been on her music before. Um, the fiddle from John Sheehan and the whips from Patty Bush. I personally do not Whip. hear the whips. I'm like, what? The central world, indeed. Whoa, oh, okay, the central world of S&M, okay. okay. <laughs> but wait, what, what whips? Like, like, they're literally whipping something? I Is don't that a know. Drum? I I'm have, not musically inclined. I'm I just story-minded. Like, I have, like, poked around, and I can't figure out, like, if maybe it's, like, in... Sat in your lap, or he had the whips. You go, whoo, whoo. Maybe it's like right, that right. Thing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, so that's with the production. Um, what I find especially um, interesting about this, uh, the single release. So it did really well. Oh, um, speaking of that, oh yeah, right, I'm looking at the single release right now as we talk because at, on my wall years ago, a fellow <sighs> fan. This is what happens when you're like a big enough fan of something. Is that people who you don't even know mail you things from around the world. I don't even remember. This girl was in, like, Canada or something. This is years ago. Like, probably, like, 2014, 2015, something. This girl's like, I have a copy of the Central single, do you, like, on the internet. Do you want it? I'm like, oh. yeah. So I actually have it, and it's, like, mounted on my wall. And it's the, the gorgeous photo of her by her brother of uh, <sighs> with her hair looking just the best ever looked. And the, the <laughs> like, fans of the hourglass, so are the days are live, going through her hands. Um, oh, yeah. So it's funny. I'm, look, I'm looking at the single right now. <laughs> so and I, I, look, I see it every day on my wall. It did really well. Uh, I mean, uh, it reached number 44 in Australia, 58 in Canada, 12 in Finland. Germany sent it to number 29. I, the Irish loved it. They brought it to number six. I it mean... I mean, well, speaking, it's interesting because she's leaning in so hard to the Irishness, oh, even yeah. in terms of the source text of Ulysses being an Irish book. It's like, because after Night of the Swallow, her whole shit is like, by the way, I'm Irish, if you didn't know. Mm-hmm. So, like, in terms of musically, <laughs> every five seconds, like, yeah, it's like <laughs> Lady Gaga, but the, I'm Italian, I'm Italian. So, it's, so, uh, so, yeah, she's really leaning into that. So, of course, the Irish are going to love it. And then the Italians loved it, too. They were like, oh, mamma mia, we like this song. We send it to number 12. <laughs> well, and, send, again, the sensual thing, 
Italian. I mean, oh, sensua. And then the Dutch loved it. The Dutch loved it. They put it, put it in number 17. And, okay, well, Dutch have taste. And then, the, well, the British do as well because they took it to number 12. Okay, but they also let the dreaming not do so well. So whatever, we're down to Dutch. That is true. Yeah, the Dutch are awesome. So, um, and also what's interesting about the single release um, uh, is that in the United States, and I know this because, I forgot to put this in the notes, I just remember this because you, you mentioned the, um, the having a copy of the single, that in mm-hmm. my college radio station in, uh, in Norfolk, I used to be, have a radio show, and I would just play random stuff out of the bins. And there was stuff left over in there from, from when it was pretty big in the 80s and 90s. Um, the college radio station I used to have my show for, they were really big in the area, and then they kind of declined throughout the 90s. And they had all sorts of stuff and, like, all sorts of alternative music in there that, like, I recognized. And one of the things they had in the bins, and I wish I to God that I'd snagged it, was a copy of Aspects of the Central World, mm. which was one of my first other exposures to Kate Bush. Because at that time, she, I knew her as someone who has played a lot on Flashback Alternatives. And I was like, oh, I kind of like her, but I'm like, eh, I kind of have to get used to it a little bit. And on the Aspects of the Central World, it was released by um, her record label in... United States, I believe it was Columbia at that time, and it has um, the Sensual World instrumental on it, as well as some other B-sides like I'm Still Waiting and Be Kind of My Mistakes. So this song also has an, an official instrumental, and not many of her songs have like actual official instrumentals. This mm-hmm. one does A Moments of Pleasure, and I think that might be it, although if there are any more, like, wait a minute, what? oh wait, Dreamtime, because there's, there's an extended mix of uh, the Dreaming called Dreamtime that has more didgeridoo in it, but when mm-hmm. you listen to the instrumental version of this, that you get to really hear, like, what's going on under, under her voice, and even all the different layers of, like, when she's, you know, na 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 like when she's just doing stuff in the background, like you don't really hear that as much with her lead vocal over it. And it's just, oh, it's just fucking beautiful.
and have a Stinsko Oro in there when you're uh, listening to the instrumental version. Mm. And also, I also remember, obviously, this is the album where she's Trio Bogarka, so there's mm-hmm. that Eastern European stuff going on. And also, I have to say that um, it's it's this is the album that that she did a lot of publicity about how she met the Trio Bogarka and everything, mm-hmm. and yet they're only on a couple of songs on the album, and they're mostly mm-hmm. on the second side. Yeah, the other thing I thought of when you talked about America and finding it is that this era, she actually, like, this album was, for her, pretty successful in America, Mm -hmm. and, like, when you go on YouTube and look up, like, there's quite a few American, it's like there's this one MTV interview with her from this era, so Mm -hmm. they're, so that's interesting, because she's not someone who really would have been much on MTV beforehand, but she was very much in terms of, as you mentioned, like, college radio alternative market, like, this was, this album did well on the alternative chart. Yep, and in fact, Love and Anger um, was a, I believe, a top five hit in, on the uh, modern rock charts in, in mm-hmm. the United in the United States, and was one. I think she was one of the few women to get that high on the modern rock charts, and at that time, and at this time too, that they were trying to market her through the college radio stations and sending around copies of Live at the Hammersmith Odeon and trying to get her, like, people interested that way. And then uh, Love and Anger, which I'll talk about in the Love and Anger episode, that that song was made fun of on uh, Beavis and Butthead. And if you go to... Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I'll need to send you the clip for it because it's still on YouTube. Yeah. And it's just funny. Like, they talk about, like, Bong Holio and his twirling fart knockers. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's really out of listen humor. I think it's hilarious. Or they're like, oh, this chick should stop, should stop whining. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there was this big push to try and get her in America as much as they could without her actually coming here and playing a show, which she's never actually done. But, oh, wow. Those church bells on the front, that, that's a sensual sound to me. I love the sound of church bells. I think they are extraordinary and such a sound of celebration. And uh, originally the bells were put there um, because originally the lyrics of the song were taken from um, the book Ulysses by James Joyce, the words at the end of the book by uh, Molly Bloom. And um, we couldn't get permission to use the words. I tried for a long time, probably about a year, and they wouldn't let me use them. So I had to then actually create something that sounded like those original words, had the same rhythm, the same kind of feel, but obviously not being able to use them. Um, And so it all kind of turned into this pastiche of it, and that's why the, the book character, Molly Bloom, then steps out into the real world and becomes one of us. Yeah, so Kate has talked a lot about this song. Um, I mean, quite a bit of what she said is kind of repeated, like, especially with her talking about how difficult it was to obtain the permission to use the words and all that. But I like reading about her thoughts on kind of why she was drawn to this in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, this is from NME, um, October 7th, 1989. Because I couldn't get permission to use a piece of Joyce, it gradually turned into the song about Molly Bloom, the character stepping out of the book into the real world and the impressions of sensuality. 
Rather than being in this two-dimensional world, she's free, let loose to touch things, feel the ground under her feet, the sunsets, just how incredibly sensual a world it is. In the original piece, it's just, yes, a very interesting way of leading you in. It pulls you into the piece by the continual acceptance of all these sensual things. Oh, wonderful. I was thinking I'd never write anything as obviously sensual as the original piece. Oh, please, come on. What? Yeah, um, what? Like, as we'll talk about later, the original is sexual, not sensual. Oh, yeah. This is sensual. And also, another thing I want to point out, I'm just fast. I love this concept you have of, like, Molly Bloom stepping out of the page into the world because in the book, and I'll talk about this later, for pretty much the whole book, she's lying in bed. So it's really funny that she has her, like, <laughs> this character who's characterized being, like, lazy and in bed all day is like well, the one walking out free molly like free britney you know i know um say Ferris, like say ferris um i was thinking i'd never write anything as obviously sensual as the original piece <laughs> bullshit you have but when i had to rewrite the words i was trapped how could you recreate that mood without going into that level of sensuality so there i was writing stuff that months before i i said i'd never write i have to think of it in terms of pastiche and not that it's me so much. Which is weird because it is purely her. Like, I did, oh, and I'll talk about this later, too. Like, I actually, I went and reread the chapter. If, and for anyone, it's now because now it is in public domain and free. Um, as Kate, unfortunately, I wish she had never learned that in 2011, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> I know. So she, so you can go on the website Project Gutenberg to find both this and a lot of public domain text. Mm-hmm. So I, like, reread it, and I was specifically, like, had the lyrics pulled up and was like doing control F just like, well, I read the whole chapter and then there's control F to find certain phrases she uses. And I'm like, Oh, that has to have come from the book. Like, um, for example, like the lines, like, like, um, the where the sunset Machiavellian girl, um, and like the peaches and there's none like, like control F, none of that's even in the book. Like none of those phrases. And so it's interesting because, this really just feels like a visual piece of writing. Mm-hmm. The only things that really come from Ulysses are off the house head. I can't from camera that. And then the flower of the mountain and repeating yes. But it's like completely her own writing. Completely. It doesn't feel like pastiche of her and Joyce. It's purely Kate Bush. Mm-hmm. If, was... if there was a poop reference, then it would be Jake Noise. <laughs> yeah, I was, well, I was looking at your, like, your comparisons and everything and, yeah that's that's totally hers like yes you can't yes you can write like your own central song and oh wait you have many times yeah you know? prior to this yeah. this one here uh this was actually from the kate bush con in 1990 mm. uh she says there's a few songs that have been difficult to write i think the most frustrating and difficult to write was the song the central world yeah, you've probably heard some of the story that it originally was written to the lyrics at the end of Ulysses, and uh, I just couldn't believe how the whole thing came together. It was so, it was just like it was meant to be. We had this sort of instrumental piece, and uh, I had this idea for like a rhythmic melody, and I just thought of the book and went and got it, and the words fit, fitted, they just fitted, the whole thing fitted, it was ridiculous. You know the song was saying, yes, yes, and when I asked for permission, you know they said, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the hardest things for me to swallow. 
I can't tell you how annoyed I was that um, I wasn't allowed to have access to this great piece of work that I thought was public. And in fact, I really didn't think you had to get permission, but that you would just pay a royalty. So I was really, really frustrated about it. And um, kind of rewrote the words, just trying to keep the same, same rhythm and sounds. And um, eventually, through rewriting the words, we also changed the piece of music that now happens in the choruses. So if they hadn't obstructed the song, it would have been a very different song. So, to look at it positively, although it was very difficult, in the end, I think it was it was probably worth all the trouble. Thank you very much. Ah. I want you all to know that the ums were actually, like, in there as part of the quote. It wasn't just Cecily. It was I know. Kate I, <laughs> I was, like, that. going, really, um, I wouldn't have said um them, but okay, um. But, yeah, she's, she's totally right that mm-hmm. it was one of those examples where the obstacles that come up is the best because she wrote this incredible piece of work that otherwise wouldn't have been what it is. You know, like, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have the line about, like, um, and the arrows rewrite the speech. You know, like, I can't have them. I'm better. Life is better off having that line. I like this next quote from her. The way mm-hmm. she phrases it, I just very, I like it because I can picture her saying it in that very clipped, like, dismissive way she talks in the Nightflight interview. We're in, I'm in other interviews where she doesn't want, interviews where she doesn't really want to, want to be there. Oh, I know. So, a lot of people have said it's sexy. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> the original piece was sexy, too. It had an incredible sensuality, which I like to think this track has it well. She had it uh, in yeah. 1989. I suppose it is walking the thin line a bit. I guess, what, between sensuality and vulgarity? But yeah. it's about the sensuality of the world and how it is so incredibly pleasurable to our senses if we open up to it. You know, just simple things like sitting in the sun, just contact with nature... It's like for most people, their holidays are the only time they get a real burst of planet, exclamation point, because she's enthusiastic about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel her, and I think that's what mm-hmm. I love about the song, is that I'm someone, even though I'm a New Yorker, I really love being outside in the sun and, like, seeing trees and all that. So I feel it, and this, to me, the song really connect. Like, I'm thinking with this quote, I'm thinking of Leave It Open from The Dreaming, mm-hmm. about the importance of opening oneself up to stimuli that can kind of enrich your life. That's, again, like, in a way in which the idea of the sensual world is what is the world that she's always been creating musically. Yeah. Um, and making the ordinary absolutely extraordinary. Which is, well, it's funny when you put it that way, because that's the point of Ulysses, and I'll talk about Ulysses later, is, like, and modernist work in general tends to be, but Ulysses really is about, like, elevating the everyday and just, like, farts and and cutting up meat and everything into some sort of, into art, and saying, like, this is art, this everyday is art. Whereas I think of Kate's work as being always taking you someplace else and taking you away from the world instead of trying, instead of making, reminding us that we're mm-hmm. grounded in the world. So even with this song, it, it's about, even though it is about the, the world, it's in a transcendent, like, res, like resplendent kind of way, um, like, really kind of glorifying nature instead of bringing kind of like the everyday little ugliness and detail like actually kind of an interesting contrast what you bring up reminds me more of mrs bartolozzi mm-hmm. where she's doing the laundry and the laundry and the process of that becomes kind of a sensual experience and heightened experience that is yeah because it's reminding of her of her husband's clothes and reminding her of him and all that yeah you, you're right i did i I do, I do agree to agree with that, definitely. I think, like, what I mean is, like, like, like taking pleasure in, like, the 
just like the, the little things like, like yeah. being outside and, and feeling the air and and seeing and hearing things. And I think that's part of why like I've especially connected to this album and the song especially lately because I'm now living out in the country and mm. I'm surrounded just by I don't feel it gets boring at all like there's always something going on like there's I walk it I, I mean come on like occasionally I'll get frogs coming into the house like little teeny weeny frogs and I'm just like oh well that's kind of new or like I'm like, oh, wait, I see a Mama Yogi Bear crossing the street there. <laughs> like, there's just so many. Uh-huh. I look outside, and there's just so I mean, I see the beautiful cotton plants, and I see the, the, the combines coming and harvesting the corn. There's just always something, and also fields burning, which you know, will come up and never be mine, uh, the imagery of the setting fire to the cornfields. I, I just, I feel like they're all, I'm surrounded by all of these wonderful things that are just like it just makes my senses tingle like I'm seeing and I'm mm-hmm. hearing and I'm smelling and it's just I feel alive in a way that never yeah I mean before. yeah this song is very much about just like enjoying the world and enjoying life itself which is uh, something that I have not related to that often in my own life but I think part of why I like love this and like listening to the song so much is it, it brings me into what that feels like which like I'm like must be nice for happy people <laughs> but yeah, the song is very much about kind of like the glorying in the beauty of the world and of life, and it really, her joy in it is infectious. And speaking of like this, I mean, my personal thoughts on the song, okay, I'm just going to come out here, like, we know what we're going to eventually be talking about. This song has made me horny. I'm serious. Like this song. Why are you even past him? Well, well, I well because. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it still does. It's it still does, but it's not to the extent that it once was because I've come become a little bit more like, slightly more ace in recent years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, okay, fair, fair. Yeah, it's it, I mean, you you let me know it comes and goes, and I'm I'm now in my mid thirties. I don't look or sound like I'm in my thir- mid thirties, but I am. I'm all. And so, like, it's starting to kind of drop off a little bit. But, no, this song, it, it's, I don't know what it, what it is. Like, it just has this sexiness to it. And it's, it's, it's lush. And, I mean, it's sometimes, like, the way she's saying, the, um, yeah, um, yes. Like, mm, oh, my yeah. God. It's breathy. It's, it's breathy. It's breathy. And just, oh, it's just. Breathiness is just proven to be hot. It is, it, and it was just like, I would listen to it, I'm just like, okay, whoo, this is getting me hot. And it's, I also, I, what I also love about this song is that I like that uh, Kate is singing about women's feelings, mm-hmm. um, women's sensuality, which is not something that's really discussed much. <laughs> like, um... And also, just it's taking pleasure in the simple things and and enjoying them. And of course, I I love that the music video is just perfect for the song. It's like a part of her. It's like her like in three minutes right there, like like dancing yeah. in the woods and just and off in her own little world. In the fire. Yeah, just. Oh. 
and, and like looking like she's like kind of wandering through the forest of old England and just like oh it's just all oh, but we'll, 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 we'll get into Perfect. the music. Well, we'll talk about that I'm wondering in terms of your personal thoughts what are your favorite lyrics from the song or favorite musical moments okay let's see um Honestly, any of her mm yeses. It's a simple thing, but every time she sings it, and here's something else, like some more of my personal thoughts on the song, because I was listening to this. I've been listening to this song and this album a lot. Um, like You and I talk outside the show, and I've talked about, like, oh, my God, this is perfect to listen to while driving through the country, that kind of thing, because it is. Mm-hmm. Um, when the world looks like the music video and, and everything. And every time she sings mm, yes, it's always a little bit different. She doesn't make it boring. Yeah. Because, like, that's something so simple, just mm, yes. Just even just, like, the way you sing it. Like, it, it's one of those things, like, I feel like if you do it, like, too much the same, then it just gets boring. Mm-hmm. But every time it, like, you just get this feeling. It's like... the line about would I look for those millionaires like a Machiavellian girl yeah. would? Because here's what I think a Machiavellian girl is. Like, I feel like a Machiavellian girl is a girl who, like, I've, I'm going to say, like, it feels like she's a go-getter. Like, she's, like, me. Yeah. She gets out there. She knows I ain't she's a she's woman a gold, who, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, she's just a woman who knows what she wants. She knows herself. She knows her body. She knows everything. I feel and that like, was one of those lyrics that I was like, that's such a specific phrase that yes. has to, that must be from Ulysses. Control F, the entire text, not there. So where the hell does that come from in her head? Because that's not like people, people like, originally Machiavellian, they're usually referring to something political, not like a woman trying to find a rich man. She just said, like, I'm not a, uh, I don't know, a gold digging girl. I don't know. Uh, I also love the line after that when I could wear a sunset. Yes. Yeah. I think it's the contrast with that is so perfect. Is the do I look for millionaires like a Machiavellian girl would when I could wear a sunset? It's like actual sensuality in the set in in embracing the world is more pleasurable for the narrator of the song than mm-hmm. like acting trying to force it. also love now that I know like what that counterpoint is like I, I love that counterpoint and how it, it fits so well with the chorus so I love those moments And especially, like, you can really hear in the instrumental version, you can hear all of, like, her different, like, like, you can hear her layers of that in the instrumental version over the end. Spark took a life in my hand. My hand. Like, I can't even do a vibrato, like, 
that loose. Like her, she's got so much vibrato too on this album, yeah. and that's like the music, technical vocal stuff. Like she's always her vibrato. She used to sing very straight tone, like yeah. And this, like her vibrato, has come out more, and she is older. And at this point, she was almost she was like thirty one. And yeah. so sopranos kind of tend to, like, their so voices old. tend to mature at about this age. And so, and as you get older, like, generally, like, you get more of a vibrato. Like, you hope it won't be, like, wibbly-wobbly, like, you know, Liza Minnelli, I'm looking at you. But <laughs> um, she has a lot of vibrato on this song, and it's very tasteful. It's not, like, in, like, a goat way or something, but it fits with the, like, it feels like kind of trembling. to Funny, when you say that, that's making me realize I think that's what makes the song feel so sensual and hot. It's like the vibrato is like the trembling of a woman in ecstasy. Yeah. And the yeah, it's very much functioning in that way. So, like that, and then there, you know, and I said yes, but not yet. Look, I mean, here, no shame. You're not alone. Not this, I mean, this song is hot. Yeah, it I is. It's our hottest song. I have done the thing that rhymes with a meeting pussy to it. Um, <laughs> and so, but with a fellow Kate fan, because I don't know, like, I can't really have sex to her music generally. Like, that, she's like my mom, so like, that just feels wrong. And plus, it's like, I'm, it's too good. I'm like, oh, but in the middle, in the, in the middle of doing that activity next check out this this particular vibrato no you know not having that yes this and song of solomon i have done that too um although i think these songs have an interesting contrast because this is actually like sensual instead of like a, like because the lyrics are so evocative versus mm-hmm. song of solomon where she's like don't want your bullshit just want your what would say sexuality which is your sexuality um which like isn't hot to me that's like it's too like it's too grounded in reality. What's hot is this, like, kind of quivering vibrato and talking about the sunset and flipping through the breast. Oh, and also I love the, you know, go, going deep south, going down. Oh. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the one line where she crosses, that's the one lyric where she crosses the line between sexual, sexy, and vulgar. Like, and that, I assume, because that's more vulgar, it has to be in the book. Nope, nope, no deep step. That reminds me of those, like, I've seen, like, t-shirts like that. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, well, that's, like, put some south in your mouth. It always reminds you, like, that T.O.'s t-shirt, if you ever seen them, I'm just like, that line is just vulgar. <laughs> I like it, but I also have a very crude sense of humor. <laughs> like, I like it. I mean, it. I do, too. I also crude sense of humor. I mean, I like it in the sense that, like, maybe... She, she's not the one going down. The partner is the one going down, which would be nice, and then she is, like, orgasming during this, which is just an interpretation, because if she's basing it on Ulysses, it's just very heterosexual, none of that. But mm-hmm. I don't I mean, I don't see the song as based on Ulysses. I see it as lightly inspired by it. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. But, yeah. 
it can also be about, if if we even be about Caningula, good, great, good for her. I think more with vul- if it's like blowjobs more vulgar. Well, I see. I did warn you guys at the beginning of the yes. episode. Well, that's why there's there, there's going to be an, there's going to be there's an explicit tag for a reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's my personal thoughts on the song. Like my favorite. I mean, I love the whole song. I really do. I it's it's very evocative and it's a perfect opener for mm-hmm. this album. And so yeah, that's that's my personal thoughts on on the song. And I I love most of the lyrics really, but those are my favorite lyrics. Her vibrato, oh my god, her vibrato is just crazy amazing. Yeah, it's mm. yeah, it's it's interesting. Like, that's what I was gonna say. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, no, it's oh, I remember what I was gonna say What's is that? that yeah, yes, it's the perfect opener for this album, and it's like, how do you like how this is such a peak? How can it's almost like you have to go that? But then. Love and Anger is so upbeat that you're still, like, kept... For me, it's, like, the first three songs. This are fucking awesome. And then it goes a little down, then up and down. Um, yeah, for me, what I, I just would describe the song as magic stereo. What you really... It really truly is. It feels grand and sweeping. Sweepingly romantic. Celestial in its invocation of the different seasons, the different senses, um, the world, like, the, the sensory experience. Um... But I guess I'd say celestial because it's... And I think I'm biased because of the music video and how it shows the moon and everything. Like, it just connects so much to, like, nature and the kind of grandiosity of of nature. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, for me, it's the sides going deep south, going down. It's really sensual versus sexual. And as opposed to, like, Ulysses will talk more about being, like, the nitty-gritty details of bodies. Um, it's not, like... like I guess I'm just going to expose myself a lot on this podcast today. Um, I like, so this is going to be weird. I don't actually watch or enjoy porn. I don't find it hot because, like, I don't really find it's, like, people, bodies doing those things. Like, attract, to me, I'm just, like, more aroused by other things. And I feel like this kind of a song kind of explains it in a way. Like, like something like this, to me, is just way more interesting and compelling than something talking about like body touching mm-hmm. in an explicit way, but I guess and for and for me another thing I picked up on is that it connects to the Hounds of Love title track into the Fog, which I will be talking about mm-hmm. two weeks from now. Um, mm-hmm. Those it seems like a nice little trilogy of songs about giving oneself over to emotion and to love and really embracing and we'll leave it open actually as well. Um, although the tone of that song is much darker, whereas oh, the yeah. tone of those two songs, well, the Fog also has a darker tone. This and Hounds of Love title track have a very, like, just kind of, what's that word for fist pumping that is fist pumping? Um, I don't know. Mm. Fist pumping type of vibe of, like, yes, like, I'm doing this, I'm exploring, I'm trying it. Um, and so that's really cool. So, I, yeah, even, like, the way it opens with the bells just feels like you're entering another realm. I love that. I love something I mentioned earlier, which is sexuality on that, on Song of Solomon. She, she has a certain words she can pronounce. She, always, she says, like, sensual. Like, I, the way she says sensual is, like, really different. So I find that very charming. Like, the same way, like, in her, um, 
classic Marvin Gaye cover of Sexual Healing. She always, she, I feel like she pronounced it like as if it's spelled S-E-C-K-X-U-A-L. It's like, that's, I don't know how to do it. But it's, she does this weird thing with that and sensual. But um, for me, I guess my favorite lines are, I mentioned this one already, and then the arrow, then our arrows of desire rewrite the speech, and then he whispered, would I? That's just so evocative. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the fuck arrows of desire rewriting a speech means, and I was convinced that has to be from Joyce because it sounds like the type of modernist mumbo jumbo that I would have that I would have read in college, but it wasn't. It was her own mumbo jumbo, but it actually sounds good. Um, <laughs> and it's within, and it's also it's not like buried in all mumbo jumbo like Joyce. It's like within a lot of other coherent things. Um, and so I also love Joy for those millionaires, like a Machiavellian girl when I could wear the sunset, it's, well, obviously, the, just the way she thinks it is just perfect. And then also, I like that sentiment of, like, I'm just going to run off into the woods and be barefoot instead of like trying to like pursue materialistic things yeah um it's kind of what i get from it and another part i really love is and at first with the charm around him yes he loosened it so if it slipped between my breasts the way she says that perfect of he'd rescue it Here, uh, autoeroticism. 
idea, which the more I wrote about it, the less I feel like I actually liked this song. But I think also, the, I think also the reason that it comes to mind here, the song is again tainted by the video because the video looks like it's almost, and the, the tone of this song too is like that famous St. Teresa sculpture, like the woman in ecstasy. Um, that's kind of always used as an example of like female pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, she, so I bring this up because even though, okay, and as I said, the more I thought about it, the less I actually feel like the autoeroticism because this is very much a song about a sexual experience between a man and a woman. And not, but I think, again, I'm tainted by the video of her being alone in the video. To me, it just feels like, and there's no skirting around this because it's ignoring the elephant in the room. The songs, it sounds like someone masturbating. Mm-hmm. It just does. It's just, it does. Absolutely. And it could also be, and you could also say it sounds like somebody just like having sex. But the thing is, because it's told about like this third person past tense thing, the reason it feels more like someone masturbating is because it feels like somebody thinking about, or sounds like somebody thinking about this past sexual experience and getting off on thinking about it versus like them, it, like versus a song like Feel It, where it's like present tense, like he, you know, he rips, takes my stockings off, like it's happening in the present. This is like somebody thinking in the past tense about something that happened and really luxuriating in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but so basically, so the idea of, of autoeroticism it, I am going to get really academic and heady on you guys. I apologize. Um, so it's an emergent female sexuality independent from male desires or demands, um, even though in this song the male, like the he slash his she refers to, is giving the narrator pleasure and that he's very present, but I feel like it's more her thinking about it that's making her get off rather than like the act itself. And it's also, it's not just like, sex it's the idea of like you know the charm falling between her breasts it's the idea of like wearing the sunset all these sensual experiences so here here i go um so i'm quoting my own my own essay actually from an essay i wrote about ulysses in college but um about but about a different chapter the chapter nausicaa um french psychoanalytic feminist loose irgarized seminal text this sex which is not one theorizes that a separate feminine sexual imaginary exists and threatens phallocentric society. So for those of you who don't do the major women's studies, phallocentric society basically is this like psychoanalytic idea of like, you know, patriarchy, the phallus being seen as like the center of everything and women being defined as lack thereof. So Irigaray believes that because this gender women possess multiple sex organs, so like not just vagina, but breasts and like, I don't know, maybe we have more brains than men, um, as opposed to cis men's one sex, one, you know, having a penis, including, in her words, two lips that embrace continually. Women's sexuality is naturally autoerotic and functions independently from outside male stimulation. However, dominant phallocentric theories proposed by male writers and psychologists, such as Freud and Lacan, which valorize the penis and define women as lack, force her into the servile position, pour into every, like, she everything like naturally female and autoerotic where she de- derives value from basically the vagina being a home for the like where the penis goes in mm-hmm. and less graphic terms women's social worth in under patriarchy is her ability to give men pleasure mm-hmm. women are only people insofar as in they are available to men and gain subjecthood only as objects so even in this book ulysses um 
So I, as I mentioned, this is taken actually from an essay I wrote about the chapter Gnostica, which is about a girl named Gertie McDowell, McDowell, I think. Um, and she is like on a beach and the main, the protagonist of the book, Leopold Bloom's on the beach and she's like thinking about romance and then she notices that he's like masturbating while looking at her and like she kind of, kind of almost like getting off on it together. So it's like she's kind of gaining, like, again, like she, it's about her like availability to him and she does have this, like the, the chapter is from her point of view about her being an object for Leopold's desire. So, but the, the opposite to this, which I think this song really points to, um, is that women can find, like, men, like, so, like, women find, she, in her words, women find, or I, women find pleasure more in touch than in sight, and her hypothetical preference for touch operates separately from the visual, like, the male, like, sexuality, which is more like, I see it, I want to fuck it, mm-hmm. and becoming an, so, um, so women have, like, a, she, Uruguay says, and again, this is all arguable, she's Uruguay's one person, like, women, she says, have, like, a more tactile form of sexuality, it's more natural to women, and um, women does not have a sex, she has at least two of them, her sexuality is, in fact, plural. I know it's a lot, it makes no sense, but, um, but I feel like this song really embodies it in, in terms of, like, this woman's sexual experience, sensual experience, and sexual experience not just being about fucking, it's about like it's about touch about sense mm-hmm. and it's all like really engaging as all five senses of sight smell touch whatever the ones are, ones are um sight you know but um sound right and so like mm-hmm. it's not just about like I see this hot person and I'm turned on by that and also what I really love about this song is that for me it is the embodiment of the term jouissance um which is a really hard thing to define, but it's kind of one of those things where you just like know it when you feel it. And to me, when I hear this song, it's just that word is in my head. I'm like, "Jewish songs." Like, this is what like this song to me. Like, if you asked me to define it, I would just be like, "Listen, like I would just play the song and this defines it." But technically, um, again, I'm getting all French feminist spirits on your ass. French feminist writer Hélène Cézieux. Used the term jouissance. It was originally used by Jacques Lacan, but kind of drawing from that, a lot of feminist writers taken off from that. She uses the term jouissance to just describe a form of women's pleasure or sexual rapture that combines mental, physical, and spiritual aspects of female experience, bordering on mystical communion, which to me, this perfectly describes the song. Mm-hmm. So, in her words, explosion, diffusion, effervescence, abundance takes place. It takes pleasure, which in French is jouit, um, mm-hmm. in being limitless. So to me, like, that is what this song is about. Like, the limitlessness of this explosive desire that's coming from, a, like, a mystical communion with the world, as opposed to just, like, with this one. Even though the, it's about an experience of a man, it's really, as Kate herself said, this song is about, like, a sensual relationship with the world and with nature more than it is with any one person. Um like, Cezieux maintains, maintains that jouissance is the source of a woman's creative power, um, and that the suppression of jouissance prevents women from finding their own fully empowered voice. Mm. So it's especially great to have this woman musician who produces her own work, who writes her own work, like, like talk about the source of a woman's creative power. Like, she is Kate's work, as we, talk, we said earlier, like, for all of the sensual world encapsulates the title of that encapsulates mm-hmm. her whole work, and 
it has enabled her enabled her creative power. And so I think with being a, having that access to that jouissance, Kate has always had that and been able, I mean, for better and for worse, right? Like sometimes she's writing about having sex with snowman and it's gross, but like, yeah. and, but it's not even necessarily for me, as, as Suzu says, I'm butchering that name, um, but it's not about even just talking about sex, it's about the fact of like being able to be plural, multiple, as um, Luce Irgeray wrote, like the fact that she's able to take on multiple perspectives, that she writes from the perspectives of men, women, donkeys, um, like from every different era. She's like so multiple, so plural, so omnipresent, and really able to take empathy and compassion and pleasure. Really, I think it's that taking pleasure in so many different perspectives that is so powerful and kind of her career has been like, I mean, this song is kind of the embodiment of like the feeling of you. I mean, it's kind of mm-hmm. just saying like coming. Like, I thought I'm going off. But like, it's kind of just like coming, but it's like a more complex version of coming. It's basically like coming because you have this ecstatic link with your own internal power and your mm-hmm. own internal like capabilities, which is just for me, like this song is being just what I said, like it's the best way to describe what that feeling is. Also of note that, because um, you were saying jouis, I saw the jouissance and went, oh, yeah, because in French, jouir, J-O-U-I-R, is the verb to come. Oh! It really is. Mm-hmm. Leo points Leonardo DiCaprio pointing name. So I saw the jouissance and I went, wait, yep, I know what that probably means. <laughs> Like, yes, it is. It, 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 mm, yes, it is. Yeah, like, this, it is basically, like, a very sophisticated way of talking about coming, but it's more than that. It's about, like, what Kate Bush says when she talks yeah. about, um, like, the, the con- she says, the continual acceptance of all these sensual things, the sensuality of this world, the fact that you can touch things, the colors of trees, the feel of grass and the feet, the touch of this in the hand. It, you know, it's really about all of that. And, and then allowing and allowing yourself to gain pleasure from that, as opposed to just yeah. as I talked about earlier, being the ob- the, su- the subject of male desire or object of male desire. Yeah, because you you're, you're knowing yourself and what you you're allowing yourself to feel and who you are as a woman, and that's not mm-hmm. something I think that a lot of that a lot of us are really encouraged to explore and everything when we're when we're growing up you know especially with us girls mm-hmm. yeah it's um it's I, again i'm going back to moving in my head i wouldn't even connect it before we're doing notes but neither. I, I, re- I really think moving the first song kick inside is like the thesis it's like the the op- like when you write an essay the opening paragraph that's supposed to like sum up the theme that's our opening paragraph like it's all about really allowing yourself to feel and experience in ways you previously might not have let yourself. Mm-hmm. And this song is really continuation, but yeah, now I'm just like really connecting. I'm like moving is literally the genesis of her whole career. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, we were talking about it a little bit too, before we started recording that a lot of her, uh, a lot of Kate's work is about this, like, like really opening yourself up and feeling things. I mean, feel it. Yeah. We can feel it. Yeah, and... that's why, yeah. That's why I never will understand when she always calls the sensual world my most female album with female energy. What the hell is female energy? That's not, that's so undefinable anyway. But it, it, you have to 
if I had to say one of her albums had the most female energy, I would definitely say Kick Inside. Like, that album is so tactile. It, like, it, to me, I guess what I think of is what Uruguay I described is this, like, tactile thing of women's sexuality. Um, the Kick Inside, for me, is really embodies that. Much more in this album, which tends to be more about interpersonal relationships. Well, to me, I feel like like this, this album is uh, the sensual world. That this song and then that this, the album as a whole, is almost a, almost like a slightly more grown, like a more grown up version of Kick Inside, where you you have these themes of uh, like women's sensuality and allowing yourself to feel things, but then you add in like, even more complex interpersonal relationships into it. Not to say that she wasn't I, writing about that before, but she you get more of that on this album in particular. I agree, and I actually think that's what makes, what makes this album weaker for me, is because I think that when she writes about things that are more concrete and more grounded in reality and relationships, her work suffers as a result for me. I do agree um, Whereas actually like, when she's writing about pleasure and sensuality and senses as more abstract things is when her writing is at its best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going back and, to... and it's part of why this song for me is one of the better ones of the album. It's, mm-hmm. less con- it's one of the least concrete in terms of like, this is the story that I'm telling. Oh, here I go again. Sorry, guys. So, um, unless you want me to go on to, like, a, a different different one we go back to. It. No, no. I think okay. it's really important to talk about you comparing it to the source text because mm-hmm. what this podcast is, it's an analysis of each song by song. And it's, for me, actually analyzing it in relation to you listening to, well, specifically, so specifically based on the chapter called Penelope. So comparing it to Penelope made it me appreciate song even more and for me, it was very interesting, and I hope it doesn't bore the fuck out of all of you. So, um, context, I read Ulysses. It's nuts. I just realized as we recorded this in 2020 that I read it because it was my sophomore year British modernism class. And that I'm like, that was 2020. How was that 2010? It feels like yesterday. It really does. Mm-hmm. But so Ulysses is meant to be a reworking of the Odyssey. The protagonist, Leopold Bloom, is Odysseus. I also, I've not read The Odyssey, because I'm bad. So oh, he spends most of, okay, so at least you've read that. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> and you have not, so, um, so he spends a lot of, so the book is, takes place, over, takes place over the course of a day, and it's just basically about all the things that Leopold and the people around him and the people he encounters um, are doing throughout that day, and it's, you know, it's like meant to be like saying that the everyday can be art too, and I just really don't like Joyce's writing style. Um, it's, to me, extremely... I was telling this successfully before we recorded. I find it, no pun intended, we've been talking a lot about sex, but I find it very masturbatory. It's very show-offy. It's very, look what I'm doing. Look at my capital W writing. And for me, I'm like, okay, I get the point of what you're doing, and I don't need to read 600 pages of it. But I just get the point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, like it's, So another book, it's funny because Virginia Woolf, after reading Ulysses, kind of like, I can do this better. 
and was inspired to write Mrs. Dalloway, which also takes place over the course of a day and is a modernist, also stream of consciousness text. And yet, like, actually has, like, characters that you care about and is actually so compelling versus, I mean, people love Ulysses, my best friend, like, did, like, her masters on it. I just, I resent it. <laughs> um, so anyways, so from a lot of the book, Leopold, it's just one of those things, I feel like a lot, with a lot of modernist and postmodernist art, um, a lot of it is kind of pointing to itself and saying, look at me, look at me, look what I'm doing. And it makes sense what it's doing, and you get the point, but then once you get the point, there's not much else to it. And obviously, like, most of the world disagrees with me about that in regards to Ulysses, but whatever. Um, so he spends a lot, Leopold, the main character, he spends, his wife is Molly, and he spends a lot of the book, from my memory, whining about how his wife Molly just lies in bed, and she's voracious, like she's always eating, and she's probably cheating with multiple men, in his view. So she kind of, she's kind of depicted as this almost like monstrous type figure who just like is consuming everything around her, um, like this giant gluttonous thing. And then the final chapter, Penelope, is from her point of view, and it's like, finally, mm-hmm. <laughs> like finally. I remember it's funny because so when I reread it now to analyze the song, I honestly hated it. But I remember at the time actually loving it. I it just felt like the two, the other chapter, the one I quoted from an essay from Nausicaa, I'm like, interesting, but the two best chapters, the ones from women's point of view. Huh. But, um, hmm. so when you get to Molly's chapter, you see that this way he's been painting her as this, like, giant, massive sex and food who cares about nothing else. That's, no, she's not. She's a human. And, like, how, sh- isn't it shocking that the way it is, man describes a woman's monstrous isn't the truth. When does that ever happen? But, um, so, like, for example, one line from it, she says, like, I have a mind to tell him every scrap and make him do it out in front of me, serve him right. It's all his own fault if I'm an adulteress. If that doesn't make any grammatical sense, that's because it's how it's written. But, yeah, like, she, like, basically she's saying, like, if I'm an adulteress, it's because of him, like, imagining, imagining me as such. So in the chapter of Penelope, it's just really refreshing to finally see inside the mind of this person who's been, like, hyped up so much. It's kind of like in, um, kind of like if anyone has seen the movie The Third Man, they're always talking about Harry Lyme, Harry Lyme, and you actually, like, meet Harry Lyme, you're like, finally, to meet him. Um, so, basically, throughout the chapter, she, the summary of it is that she's lying in bed next to her husband, Leopold, thinking about him, thinking of her past love, she's thinking about how she has her period early and it heightens her libido, According to the internet, it also hints at a lesbian relationship in her youth with a childhood friend that I missed when I was reading it, and I really looked, but I usually can find that in things where it doesn't even exist, but whatever. So these thoughts are occasionally interrupted by distractions, such as a train whistle or the need to urinate. Also, as I mentioned, the chapter is called Penelope, um, which is the wife of, Udys- of Odysseus in mm-hmm. uh, the Odyssey, and she's like the symbol of faithfulness. So it's really interesting that like, she's been painted as this unfaithful wife, but she's actually, like, given the name of this um, symbol of faithfulness. So what struck me while rereading Penelope, first time 10 years, um, is that although it is, to add, it, like the rest of Ulysses, just the way I remembered it was so strikingly different from the way, from what it is. I just, re- I remembered it as feeling like the song, like this sensual, like passionate, which it is, but it's really about the everyday, about the quotidian, and making, like, it's about her having to pee, it's about, the, it's about the things she smells, her mind is constantly getting distracted by outside noises, and, like, the sexuality it depicts 
is very unsexy and very unglamorous. Like there's something that I don't remember exactly. There's something kind of like a priest. There's like all these like, like older men trying to take advantage of her. Um, it's very real. And I appreciate Joyce again, like elevating the real experiences of people to like art, even though I don't find it very readable. Um, but it's interesting because like she says, it's based on this chapter, but it's really, the song is really only takes from the final, like final, final, final part. I'm like reading through it. I'm like, what is it? And then finally, I'm like, oh, this. So it's the final part where it's kind of the like erotic, like where Leopold, Molly is a member of Leopold proposing to her. And so what I think is really interesting is that in adapt, like the vibe and the writing style of this chapter are the complete opposite of the vibe and the writing style of the song. In adapting it, Kate really focuses solely on the eroticism between Leopold and Molly in a more sensual rather than vulgar way. And Molly's delighting in that and turns this text about everyday life into this otherworldly ethereal experience, both in terms of reading the words and hearing it. So mm-hmm. instead of something about like always being distracted by the traffic and your body functions, it's about like just transcending the body almost into the sensual world, wearing the sunset. Um, and so for me, this reveals a lot about her as a writer and it's really in line with her work's trademark of, always taking listeners outside the boundaries of the ordinary world. She's ignoring the ugliness that the chapter Penelope details and doesn't choose to like elevate things we typically see as gross or unimportant into art and beauty like Joyce does, even though, as I mentioned, I feel like Mrs. Bartlosey is a good counterexample. Mm-hmm. So, like, you can't imagine Kate singing, singing the words, he hasn't such a tremendous amount of spunk in him when I made him pull it out and do it on me, considering how big it is, you know, like, that she wouldn't say that you know Mm -hmm. like or when she says i was dying to find out was he circumcised he was shaking like a jelly all over like yes sticky love inside from more looks something like you will always be like a vulgar disgusting lyric but you know but she's not typing saying like over the way mrs madzinski told me her husband made her like the dogs do it Mm -hmm. so like she's not talking like sucking them off like just like the way this is written is so antithetical to kate bush's kind of wanting us to take take listeners always away from like her work is so much about the body, but in, like, this kind of, like, in a more, like, Jewish sans kind of way versus mm-hmm. the, like, be aware of the fact that, like, your body is a thing with organs. I don't know. Um, like, so, like, a line, like, like, when he says, instead of talking, like, I'm dying to find out who's circumcised, who's taking, like, a jelly all over, she turns that into, and his spark took life in my hand which I used to think was kind of gross, but now I'm like, oh, that's actually quite beautiful compared to gel shaking like he was dick was shaking like a jelly. You know, like, it's a more poetic way of saying it. Or uh, another word, phrase I always love in the song is we don't need words, just one kiss, then another. Um, there's nothing nearly that romantic in Penelope. Like, even when she's thinking about the proposal, Leopold proposing, um, she kind of has this, like, flashback to all, like, the men she's been with or thought about being with and like wondering if he can like sense that she's thinking about it. She's not really being present in that moment. Whereas Kate is writing about being present in the sensuality, like engulfed by it. That's mm-hmm. a lot. Sorry. I know the other thing I did was that like, I basically, as I said, I did the control F and was trying to find all the lyrics, like the lyrics in the text, which I didn't, but I found some that I felt were kind of like the equivalent. And this is only drawing from about the last, very final section um, because she only took from the part where 
it's the proposal. So then I take the kiss of seed cake back in his mouth. So Molly says, the day I got, interesting too, the day I got him to propose to me, like Molly is very much this act, again, like seen as this kind of voracious figure. Um, yes, at first I gave him the bit of seed cake out of my mouth. Um, whereas, so it's interesting, in Molly's version, she is the one doing the action. She's giving him the seed cake in this kind of sensual act versus in Kate's version, she's taking it back from his mouth. Interesting. Then also the house head thing comes from mentioning them being house head. I cannot pronounce it. So he said I was a flower of the mountain, yes. So kind of the most famous part probably is, it was leap year like now, yes, 16 years ago. My God, after that long kiss, I never lost, I near lost my breath. Yes, he said, I was a flower of the mountain. Yes, so we are flowers, all a woman's body. Yes, that was one true thing he said in his life. And the sun shines for you today. Yes, that was why I liked him, because I saw he understood or felt what a woman is. And I knew I could always get round him. And I gave him all the pleasure I could, leading him on until he asked me to say yes, etc. Oh, and. And I wouldn't answer first, only looked out over the sea and the sky. I was thinking of so many things he didn't know of. Such interest, yeah. And then so she's taking all that, kind of, she's taking away the anti-romanticism of like, oh, he asked me to propose because I made him. And mm-hmm. I wasn't, I started getting distracted by all these other things. It's so like, that's kind of anti-romantic and is turning it into pure romance of he called me a flower of the mountain. And I was also really wondering where that line came from of, but now I've powers over a woman's body, yes, because I've always liked that. And that's another thing that I think we relate, like why we think of masturbation. Um, but there's quite a bit in the chapter about like, versioning female girlhood sexuality and like her early girlhood sexuality. So maybe that's something from there. And then mm-hmm. could not find the Machiavellian world. Um, and then the line, um, yeah, what else is there? Um, and so another thing that's interesting, so she mentions mountain flowers, too. Molly says, um, or Gibraltar is a girl where I was a flower of the mountain, yes. Um, so Kate, Central World, I don't know your take on this, Leslie, I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Which is, be, then he whispered, would I, yes, be safe from mountain flowers. So if a woman is a mountain flower, why does one need to be safe from them? Oh my god, good question. Um, why does the man have to be? Oh goodness. Maybe it's rhetorical. It might just be a rhetorical question, but that was just something I found quite odd. Yeah. Because that seems almost like the opposite of celebrating women's sexuality to be they be safe from mountain flowers. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe for the fear that, uh, like that the flowers are different, that they're different from you or that they're poisonous, perhaps? Oh, my God. I just had a light bulb go off my head. She's also holding a flower on the cover. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 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 I don't know if there is an answer. I just find it weird that it's celebrating, like, the mountain flower and that nickname as being this romantic thing. And then she's saying, be, and also the text doesn't say, like, be safe from mountain flowers, be safe from women, but, hmm. Oh, that is, I never thought of that before. Yeah, I've actually always thought that. I've always thought that was weird, but especially when visiting Ulysses and kind of the texts were like, the woman's sexuality is kind of dangerous. So it makes, but like in the case of sensual world, it's not dangerous. So where is that? 
And then I kind of think the equivalent of, and his spark took life in my hand. I warned you guys, explicit language. His spark took life in my hand. I kind of see the equivalent of that, like where she says, oh, yes, I pulled him off into my handkerchief, pretended not to be excited, etc. His lovely young cock there, so simple, I wouldn't mind taking him to his mouth. That was kind of the equivalent. And then the final, like, mm, yes, but not yet. So, cause, like, it ends with, mm, yes, but not yet, and then yes, mm, yes. So at first, it's kind of reflecting, like, Molly hesitating and being, like, not yet, but then yes. Yeah. Because it says, I asked him with my eyes to ask again, yes. And then he asked me, would I, yes, which came up in the song. To say yes, my mountain flower. And first I put my arms around him, yes, and drew him down to me so he could feel my breast, all perfume, yes. And his heart was going like mad. And yes, I said, yes, I will. Which is, I love that passage. That's the the ending of it, which I love. Um, Mm -hmm. And that, to me, like, feels the most like the song for sure i was about to say that that it that entire there like that feels like i can see where this was it that she was very much inspired by that and the way that that kate has put it um with you know at first the charm around him he loosened it so if it's between my breasts he'd rescue it like that feels like it's just her version of what you just read (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I really feel like I feel like the whole song kind of only based on this the final line mm-hmm. of the whole thing. In short, I gotta say I like I lo- I prefer Kate's words. Yeah. I feel like they're a little bit more, and she's also giving more life to this woman who yeah. really doesn't have much of a voice. Oh, and, and I remember like the stuck thing in about, bed. and I was remembering the thing about jouissance that yeah that. Honestly, I feel like women's sexuality and the way that we feel things, that yes, it is true. Like, I myself, hey, got a little vulnerable here. Yeah, I am more turned on by, like, touch than anything. And I think that's the way it is for a lot of women. I know, now I know some women who, like, they can look at porn or something and they can get off. But that's, that's not what I do. And that's not mm-hmm. what a lot of the other other women I know do. And I also feel like like women's sexuality is still something that we don't completely understand. And it's mm-hmm. really something only in like like we know more about like I mean come on, there are more terms for men getting off than there are for women. You know? Right. Like women's sexuality is still like this whole like big mystery. You know, I mean think of like a hundred years Not, ago. Yeah, you know, Freud yeah, you know, Freud the Freud essential question, what does a woman want? And then you think of, like, a hundred years ago, you know, women being, you know, quote-unquote hysterical, and they go in for, you know, massages, quote-unquote massages, and they're basically using a vibrator <laughs> to get them off. Because, <laughs> like, men are just like, I don't know, just the women are, concerned. well, maybe, you know, I mean, it's still this whole big thing that people don't, we still don't really fully understand. And I think that, honestly, it's something that a lot of people are afraid of. Which is the whole thing in Ulysses, and he, mm-hmm. the whole, throughout the whole book, he seems terrified of his wife's sexuality so as i agree with you it's so great to like as i said free from free molly like she's letting her out of the page and into mm-hmm. the sensual world where she can experience sensual world she can experience without any guilt or shame yeah she's giving voice to someone who doesn't have much of a voice in the story and yeah and in like in ulysses the reason penelope feels like such a breath of fresh air is because like the first time she does like oh hey now we're hearing like what the what the women th- what the woman thinks, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's yeah that's not something that you get terribly often. 
Mm-hmm. Especially when you've had like 500 pages of like talking about nonsense. Oh my God. I'll, I'm just bitter because in my modernism class, we spent three months on Ulysses and like we could have read so many shorter, better books in that, in that our time. Like another a book I really recommend to anyone listening. Is there, like we read a really good one called Good Morning Midnight by Jean Reese. Um, yeah, I'm just like, could have just read a lot of good shorter books. I waste three books, stole three months of my life. <laughs> But shout out to Hisok Chang, professor. He was great, but he was great, but I couldn't be able to deal with this book. So I, I find it interesting that, I mean, she definitely, when she, she gets to, she finally gets the permission to take his <laughs> words. And, I mean, that's another big elephant in the room, so I know... Well, it's elephant if you, if you acknowledge it. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I kind of have to, in a way, yeah. because we'll yeah, there is... Yeah, we'll over with. Yeah, well, we'll get... This part's going to be short, because... So, yeah. um, starting with this season and the next season, I also get to talk about the director's cut version, because the song was remade with some of James Joyce's words as Flower Up the Mountain, and I'm going to be really honest, I, I prefer, I already prefer Kate's words anyway, and I feel like they flow better than mm-hmm. what was written, and I understand, I mean, it's, you know, yay, okay, that was a fun little experiment that you finally got but to sing it. It be released. Yeah, but I feel like, I think her words are more evocative, and... I'm, I'm gonna be honest, I'm not a fan. I mean, it's a fun little experiment. I'm glad that, that she recorded it, but it's not a favorite. I don't, I prefer the sensual world version. I like the way the words flow. I also think the production and the way the mixing is a little bit better. I feel like the mm-hmm. Flower of the Mountain, it, it doesn't feel like the vocals mesh very well with the background, and it just kind of distracts me yeah. from a music production standpoint. I just, yeah. Yep, yeah. And I, another point you made in the notes that I really like is that you prefer this idea of a song about a woman's pleasure using a woman's words rather than the words a man wrote for a, a fictional woman. Yes, and that's that's just a big thing for me because, you know, I can tell when I'm in songwriter circles and I can tell, like, when, when we're all sitting around and sharing a song. Maybe I haven't done that, you know, in this, you know, weird pandemic world of 2020 is this being recorded but a couple times like I, that I've been in a songwriter circle and the guys are is, the guy is sharing a song that he's written from a woman's perspective oh please really do you really think any woman would say that it's interesting how women can do such a good job at the opposite sometimes though hmm. mm-hmm. I mean I've I've written some songs I've written very few songs, not as many as Kate has. I've written a few songs from a male perspective, and I've actually played them for some of my some of my queer friends, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's actually pretty accurate. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I don't know why it is that maybe it's just because, like, we hear more of, like, the male perspective. Yeah. That's totally. probably we why. internalize it more. And so, yeah, yeah. I, I like that it's, that, that she wrote her own words, and it's a woman's pleasure, and it's from a woman's perspective. There ain't no man going in there. Like, it's inspired by the yeah. man. But it's the right. woman. She's giving voice to this woman. And like she's a and living, she's doing a much better job. human being, and she does a fucking better job of it. Thank you. Mic drop. 
Yeah. So I'm tempted to just be like Mariah Carey talking at JLo and say, I don't know her, but I'll actually, so I, I did force myself to listen to it right before I recorded. I'll be fair. I recently re-listened to the director's cut for the first time in like maybe five years because mm-hmm. I listened to her work on repeat constantly. Not that one. It as a whole was a lot better than I remembered. It actually was like mostly not bad. This song though, bad. And for me, the main culprit is what you talked about with the back, the vocals not meshing with the background. So you said bad karaoke. I think it sounds like she's drunk, honestly, mm. because what I noticed about the vocals that really bothered me is that we talked about the breathiness and the vibrato of the original. In this one, she's trying very hard to sound breathy, and it's coming off very forced. And she just sounds honestly drunk. So it sounds like there's a backing vocal playing and she's kind of like, it just sounds like someone trying to sound good and trying to make something sexual when it's, and it's very unsexy and, and forced, as I said. Um, and yeah, and just like the, shall I, we're just saying, shall I wear red instead of wear a sunset, like taking these, turning your, like her words, which are so, as you said, evocative and met, like using metaphor and stuff. And then using things that are so literal, it just kind of ruins the power of the song for me. Um, yeah, so the music part, like the musical backing still sounds very beautiful to me, but it sounds like, yeah, it's something like a drunk person kind of rambling over, like, I guess, the, like the drunk Irish aunt at the pub, like, just, oh, coffee's going off, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, then... but one play area where Kathy did go off very successfully, we don't have to transfer distance it yet, <laughs> Kathy went off in the woods in 1989. Oh, she snapped. In the best possible way. <laughs> and you brought her as a girl when I was a flower of the mountain. Yes, when I put the rose in my hair like the Andalusian girls used, or shall I It's cat speaking of being out in the woods, cause like yeah, that's what I meant. That's what I was trying to. Yeah, the music video. Oh my goodness! Jo- ah. Oh, and then I I love with the church bells. Yeah, just the, the church bells opening, and she's like wandering through the woods, and you're, she's just taking you away into this beautiful world, and she's just looking like she's having the greatest time. And I love what she's wearing. She looks kind of medievalish. It's really cool. Yeah. For those of you who haven't seen the video and listened to this, um, 
you basically, it, she's wearing this red velvet dress. I'm very lucky to own some, one that looks very much like it, just shorter. It was actually my mom's from the 80s. She bought from Bessie Johnson in the 80s. Very cool. Um, so I own that. I also have in green. But it literally is the exact same color of velvet. It makes me so happy. Um, my favorite dress that I own. And so she's in this red velvet dress and that, like, wimple type thing, whatever you call it, that head piece. And she's strutting. She's not walking. She's strutting oh, she's through the woods. Strutting. And she's strutting. She's strutting. She's, she's like, yeah, she's strutting through the woods. And as she walks through the woods, basically, like, the seasons and, and weather changes. And so it's just a lot of her, some of her videos. And what I appreciate is that I felt like with Hounds of Love era, she was making her videos more like movies, like with cloud busting and Hounds of Love title track. And here with this, she goes back to her original method. It was kind of be, having it being more simple with, like, her and a background. But it's still so immersive. Like, it's not trying to necessarily tell a story. It's more giving off a vibe. And as the teenagers that I work with would say, the vibes are immaculate. Um, <laughs> they, I say that a lot. But, um, so, like, she is, it's just, like, about, like, those changing weather. And it's very, you know, it's like autumn, but also, like, there, it starts to rain. Um, it rains glitter. Um, it's just, so that's what the gist of the video is. And it's just kind of tracking this woman. And she has just, like, you know, that really that expression of joy on her face. What's really cool is that she, like, as the video starts, she's looking right at you. And it's just really, it's really powerful. Um, mm -hmm. To me, like, her in this video, it's one of, it's perfect video. It's one of my top, top favorites of hers. Me too. Um, it's, like, it's, for me, she embodies this earth mother energy that is just mm -hmm. everything I will ever aspire to be. It's what I want to grow up to be. Sassy, I'm going to make you really depressed right now, but it, she's 31 here. Old. I know it kills me that she's only two years older than me in this Ugh. like I think of her in this video as like the epitome of like mature capital and mature adulthood me too and like right and like not it just doesn't, because I of can't. like you know the funky you know the very uh, poofy 80s hair and stuff that made it's everybody a look a little older <laughs> oh her hair looks beautiful here it's not too poofy Although, it's not yeah. too 80s it's like actually beautiful um it's yeah it's there's something about her that, like, there just embodies this maturity um, and, like, this comp. I think it's also the confidence she's exuding and the mm -hmm. strutting. Um, and so for me, it's incredibly difficult, if not impossible, to listen to this song without doing the strutting shows in the city. Oh, like, I, I know. I, have so, I cannot tell you how many times I've been on the street and this comes on and I just start doing the, like, the walking, the very carefully paced walking. And then oh, at the part in the video where she starts, like, doing the backwards, pushing down on the... I don't really know how to describe the dance in this video. She's really embracing her whiteness and being like, I'm going to white girl dance, as one <laughs> does. Girl so, like, there's not even, like, names for it. It's just, like, white, the ultimate white girl dancing. But, that like, the backwards thing with the hands, whenever that part comes, oh, my God, I'm, like, doing that. Um, the way she walks kind of, to me, looks like she's being pulled by, like, a string, like an mm -hmm. invisible string or force outside her, coming from in front of her. Um... So that I really like, and it's just, I really love, the, my favorite, my two favorite parts, well, three favorite parts, are when, my first one is when she takes off her hat and, like, really dives into the sensual world. It's just a very, you know, sexy moment. Um, I won't, so I'm generally, like, because she is, like, a mother figure to me, and also just for other reasons, I guess, I'm usually not, like, sexually or romantically attracted to her or whatever. Same here. This video is the exception. 
this video is a big exception. I'm very attracted to her in this video. For some reason, it's like only this video. I don't know. Um, it's that confidence. It's like her hair looks perfect. It's just everything. She looks really gorgeous. It's like she's just so beautiful in this video. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't like to dwell on that because so many annoying male critics have. But I can't. Not for me. It's an elephant in the room. And so my that part where she takes the hat off, it just it's really hot. <laughs> and then. And the other favorite part is when she's dancing in the flames doing this other white girl move that I don't know what the hell it is. So those of you who have seen the video will know what I'm talking about, but she's like contorting her legs around. It's, I've done it before, um, you know, because I just like, I really like re videos for fun. Um, I've actually had this really funny recording of myself doing it after I'd been to a Halloween party in 20, yeah, 2014, yeah, 2014, uh, dressed as Mel Sandra from Song of Ice and Fire, Game of Thrones, and I was wasted doing it <laughs> and it's really funny because there's this part where she is so she's wearing this red dress and she's dancing in the flames and I'm like Melisandre like it's literally Melisandre um so it's everything I enjoy in one image and but I don't know what she's but it's just really great and then my other favorite moment is three minutes 12 seconds in where her that one mm, yes where she has this look of ecstasy as she lifts her face up and the rain starts coming down pouring on her face and she's just embracing it and it's Oof. <laughs> mm-hmm. I gotta say, I love the red dress. I love when she stands mm-hmm. around in the red dress and everything. Like, oh. I have to show you, Chesley. I'll send you a picture of mine after this. Yes. Well, yeah. It literally looks so much like it. It just, and the only issue is that it's short. It goes it's above the knee. Oh. I've always wanted it to be longer. And I, get, I always get compliments on it when I wear it. But like, thank you. It's my sensual world dress. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the the music video is one of my top ten favorite. Yeah, oh for me it's top five, oh, and that's saying a lot. It's it's got it's it's this is you in a nut. This is like you right here in a nutshell. You're dancing around in the forest, looking like you're in a completely different barefoot, world, and I'm just know. like barefoot in a different world. Like, hi, can I be in your world? I hate the real world right now. It's 2020, a pandemic. Oh. Can we be there? That looks a lot happier. <laughs> Please. And, and, and how, well, exactly. And, and how we live, wish to live in the sensual world. Oh, yes. We do. Well, don't we wish to live? I would much rather live in the sensual world than the pandemic world. Oh, or even yes. the non pandemic world. Fuck it. I just want to live in the sensual world. I just, period. yeah, I just want to live there, period. Like, you know what? This seems like a really cool place to be. You know, like, and that, that's. Just something. in the woods with the glitter. Mm-hmm. Just, and just enjoying nature and not having to think about jack shit. Yeah, it's just this, as I said, it's so simple, and yet it still transport you into another world. Exactly. And that, honestly, that is like some of the best Kate music that does. Actually, honestly, a lot of her songs, most, almost every one of her songs does that for me. And it's part of what, mm-hmm. really, what really drew me to her. I'm like, oh my God, like every song is just so unique. And mm-hmm. it's a little self-contained world. It's like a, each song is like a little book. In a way, mm-hmm. and you get that, especially in the song and the video. Yeah, which yeah, was totally. uh, co-directed actually uh, by Bush and uh, the comic strip co-creator Peter Richardson. I know the comic strip will. goodness uh we've gone into the central world i think i don't know I've, i feel like i feel like we found everything but of course there's always things to I see think. 
Always things. Yeah. To see and to hear and to touch. And feel. Oh, yeah. Explore all the senses in the sensual world. I think we've actually explored all the senses in the, in the, at least in the world of this song. There will be many more to explore for the rest of these songs. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah especially for the fog, right? Because that's the best one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's obviously the other best episode besides this one, you know? Yes. Not by it. Indeed. Well, I guess, uh, I guess we're going to have to, unfortunately, go back to the real world now. Unfortunately. I know. Except it won't be, because I will have another moment in the sensual world while I'm going to find some pictures of my sensual world dress and send them to you. Yes. <laughs> then I will be in the real world. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, as always. Yay! A pleasure to you and me, if not your listeners. So thank you. so much for listening to this week's episode of Strange Phenomena Music of Kate Bush all about the wonderful title track for the sensual world. Well my goodness I can tell you that we have just gotten started with our journey into the sensual world because who doesn't want to be there these days? I would rather be there these days. So if you like the show you can follow me on Twitter at StrangeKateCast you can find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash katebushpodcast and also on the web at kbcast.linkmedia.com you can also email me, kbcast at linkmedia.com. And as always, that is link with an E. There are lots of different ways you can be a part of the show and support the show. Also, there is a Patreon. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. This show will always be free, but if you would like a couple little extras, you can go to my Patreon page, patreon.com slash Podcast. Also, we have a hotline, so you can call it at any time and leave some thoughts about a favorite song that will be played on a future episode 1757-349-6369 well that's it for this week's episode so next week we're gonna go into the second track we're gonna go into a song about two very strong emotions for an equally strong and emotional song we're gonna be talking about another another in track two from the central world love and anger see everybody then It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. 
That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 